Welcome to the Recovering Entrepreneur Show. How are you? I am so good. How are you, Bobby? I'm great, and I'm so grateful to have you here today. It's exciting, isn't it? It is. I love getting to meet across the miles. I have fallen in love with Zoom. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I feel so. I feel more connected than I ever have in my whole life. I think. Like I can't keep up with the amount of friends and people in my atmosphere now. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yes, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. So I would love for my audience to get to know you. So if you'd like to give us your intro, bio, whatever you care to share, and uh, then we'll dig right into your business part of it. So I guess you can have multiple personalities here. (laughs) Awesome. I finally have permission. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... I, the entrepreneurial journey is like a fifth career for me. Um, when I was young, I had a licensed childcare uh, in my home so that I could stay home with my children. And then I became a 911 emergency communicator. And then I left that and went to school and became a counselor. And so I have a license as an addictions counselor. And then I left that and went to school again to become a minister. And so I served as a chaplain at a children's home for nine years. And I just retired July 1st um, in the middle of working on my doctorate in ministry. And my work on my doctorate is with compassion fatigue and resilience and how to help people develop the habits that they need to stay strong when they're doing caring, compassionate work. And so I am a brand new baby entrepreneur. Um, I have always worked at places where I had automatic deposit. You know, when I was young, um, well, you know, when I was a licensed child care provider, I didn't have that. But I certainly fell in love with it when I went to work for cities and for, um, yeah, I worked for the city and then I worked for the state when I was an addictions counselor full time. And then I worked for a massive children's home, uh, multi-functional human services agency. And so it was all automatic deposit. Man, I, I really liked a steady income. It was never a lot, but it was steady. And so this entrepreneurial thing where I don't know is very exciting and terrifying. Exciting the same, the, the same kind of gut feeling that you get when you're at the edge of the roller coaster. Mm. And you know, you know, so yeah, that's a, that's that's a great way to explain it. I have so many questions just from what you just said. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Before I get into the, to the nuts and bolts, and I have a feeling I need to have you on my other podcast too. Now that I've heard a little more about your background, because that one's around gambling addiction. Yeah. And I think that you'd be a great fit for that. So we might have another date coming in the future. Cool. So where are you calling in from? Where are you? Oh, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I was at the children's home in, in Ruston, Louisiana. And then when I left, when I retired, I moved to San Antonio. My older sister lives here. 
Um, and she and I are pretty close. And we had talked about, we'd been joking for years about not wanting to be little old ladies alone. And so she invited me to come and we're, we're on a two-year trial to see if we really can figure out how to make room for each other in our lives. So far, it's been really, really good. We have a lot of fun together. That's so, yeah. I have a friend I'm trying to encourage to do that same thing. So uh, I'll have to stay abreast of your situation and how it goes. (laughs) So tell me what a day in the life of your new journey looks like. Who, who do you want to help in this? And I find it very interesting that you're tying in ministry to addiction. I'm curious about what addictions you address. Was it substance abuse? Was it behavioral? I have so many questions. Can we go a little, can we go a little deeper in some of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Where do you want to start? Uh, Let me tell you about a day in the life. So I get up at five and do my morning stack, my morning habits of, um, exercise and, and journaling and, and prayer and meditation. Um, and then breakfast. And then I'm at my computer. Um, right now I'm making phone calls, uh, from eight until 10 and then other things as they come up. Um, because I'm marketing, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you got to learn to love to market. Um, so, uh, I write, I talk to people. I try to figure out computer stuff. So I was just on the phone with uh, my daughter is serving as my virtual assistant. Um, and we were just on the phone a few minutes ago trying to figure out uh, our the CRM, uh, the customer, whatever, relationship manager. Yes. Um, so learning new acronyms, that's part of my work. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I uh, pour into people. So I'm a, a Zoom fan. So. so you're taking meetings with clients. And uh-huh. is, it, is it like therapy? Am I picturing that right? I, like- I'm not serving as a therapist. I'm not a licensed therapist in Texas. And therapy is, is a really specific sort of relationship. I consider myself more of a mentor. And I'm a habit mentor. My focus is on how to shape the habits that you need to have wellness in your life. And wellness isn't physical, just physical. I mean, it is physical, but it's body, mind, and spirit. And so we talk about things like how do we keep our mental health going well? And a lot of it is how we, um, how we interpret what has happened because there's always multiple possibilities for interpretation. And so how do we interpret things in a way that serves us and helps us be better instead of dragging us down? I learned in a psychology class this great sentence that has informed me for all these years. The fundamental error in interpersonal relationships is the misattribution of motive to another's behavior. Now, let's unpack that a little. Something happens and I decide why it happened, why you did what you did. I am always wrong. 
right? We don't know why other people do what they do. They don't know why they did what they did. Nobody knows why. It's a silly thing that we do. But that what story I tell myself makes a difference. For instance, when I was in seminary, I was in Atlanta. Have you heard about Atlanta traffic? It's as bad as the people say. It is just. I've been. I I go on an annual trip in my corporate job and I've experienced it. Yes. It's like. So I moved to, to Atlanta from Louisiana, where we think that if there's two cars at the traffic light, we're in traffic. And I'm in Atlanta and I'm on I-75. I was staying with my niece who lives in Marietta. And um, the seminary is in Decatur. So it's down I-75, about 30 miles. I-75 in the morning is is a speedway. Um, my niece's husband told me there's two things you got to know about traffic in Atlanta. Number one is the traffic... Um, the speed limit signs all lie. <laughs> and number two is never be the first person into a, uh, an intersection when the light changes. Okay. That one saved my life twice. Wow. Yeah. But the, the speed limit signs all lie. And so I'm in my little um, Toyota Tercel, my little 96 Toyota Tercel, my, my graduate school car. And um, people, I'm, I, I was pretty sure I was going to get killed on it, on that highway. And um, I was, I thought they were out to get me because I had a Louisiana license plate. Uh, no, we can't take it personal. It's all of us. Oh, right, right. <laughs> But I was taking it very personal. I would get to school and I would be upset and I couldn't learn anything. And I finally decided, okay, it's not about me. It's about them. When, when people cut me off, it just means that their mother is in the hospital and they're trying to get to see her before she dies. Man, there's a lot of sick moms, (laughs) 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 but it helped me just telling a different it's fiction. But the, the other story was fiction, too. So. I love that. So it's a yeah. matter of perspective. Yeah. So we got to figure out how we think about things. Um, we got to take care of ourselves spiritually. So our connection, and I don't know how you perceive um, divinity or holiness or that which is beyond, you know, I, and the that's not, to me, that's not the important part. The, the important part is to find a connection to the, the force of life, which is love. And so however, however you conceive of that, which is beyond, to be connected to that. And I find the simplest way for that connection to happen is through meditation. So that's one of the habits I teach is how do you learn to start meditating? Because that's not easy. No, it sure isn't. So sitting still and quiet. My my personal evolution with beyond and the things that you're mentioning is all new to me. And it all came through my recovery, which is which is part of this path I'm on. And it's what I believe. I had quit gambling for over two years, but then went back out for over a year. 
And Mm. I truly believe the difference is having that relationship with stillness and trying to figure out the present moment and my relationship with, I, I was calling it the universe. I'm shifting to love source. Cause I like that better. Mm-hmm. I think it makes better sense because universe is kind of scientific in my, mm-hmm. in my head. And, mm-hmm. and I learned this love source. So I, I'm connecting to that. So I completely hear what you're saying mm-hmm. and I'm living example that that shift is, is literally the difference between life and death or literally the difference between a good life and not, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So you're yeah. doing very good work. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I love it. Yes. Yeah, so that spirituality piece is huge. Yeah. So mental health, physical health, spiritual health, and physical health. We all know what to do, right? We, know, we all know we're supposed to eat, right? We're supposed to exercise. We're supposed to drink water. But how do you start a habit? How do you change that? How do you, you, you move from one trajectory to another? And that's the piece that I help with is, is how do we conceptualize the change we want to make and, and start to establish it? And so. Is there any chance that you would have like a simple nugget you could share with the audience about changing their habits? Do you have any? Absolutely. Tricks? Yeah. <laughs> It's my jam. So there's, there's four principles to habit change. The first is when you, when you decide you've got what you want to do and you know, there's, there's pre-steps, right? You got to know why you want to do the thing and you want to got to know what you want to do. But when you know those two things, the first is you got to remind yourself everywhere. So I'm a big fan of sticky notes And I'm a big fan of uh, notifications on the phone. So if you want to change something, you've got to remind yourself everywhere. Why? Because your subconscious, your your non-thinking brain, the habitual part of your brain doesn't want to change because change feels dangerous. And our brain wants to keep us safe. And so we've got to remind ourselves over and over again. We've got to make it fun. You got to be pleasurable. It's got to be something you want to do. And so if it's something you don't really want to do, um, that that's a little harder, right? So you got to find a way to make it fun. So um, one of my things was uh, I didn't like cleaning the kitchen. I had three children and, mm-hmm. you know, the kitchen is never finished. Um but I decided that I was really going to like enjoying the the look of the kitchen when it was clean. And so I would take a few moments to just stand there and enjoy it. And then there were times when I decided that I was going to enjoy having my hands in soapy water. So that was before the dishwasher. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you got to make it fun. You got to keep it small and doable. And so um, when I decided to start meditating, I decided on five minutes. Sit still and be quiet for five minutes. Five minutes. I can do five minutes. Can you not fit five minutes into your day? You can, can't you? Yeah. And, And when you make it small and doable, you have the successes to, to build on. 
But the fourth, and I believe the most important thing to focus on is celebration. Mm-hmm. to really enjoy that you did it. Now, my little piece that I've added to that is when I work with a group, I connect them to each other and they celebrate together that they support each other. But sometimes you don't do it, right? So the key piece in my program is we celebrate that you reported. Ah. That tells your subconscious that reporting is important. Paying attention is important and paying attention is key. And so we have a certain way to feedback. So if, if I tell you, yes, I did my new habit today, you celebrate with me You say, yes, yes, yes. Good job. Send me fireworks on an emoji or a gift, GIF. I never know which it is. Um, <laughs> And if I say, no, I didn't do it today, just tell me you support me. Tell me you see me trying. Just, you know, just see me. Because we don't get celebrated as adults. When was the last time somebody hung up a picture that you drew on their refrigerator? Mm -hmm. I haven't had that happen since I could reach a light switch, you know? Right. And so we need to, to figure out how to support each other. And what the side effect has been in work groups is that they build connections that are non-threatening and work better as a team. And so it's a really, really powerful thing. But you keep doing that until it is so automatic that you don't even, you're going to do it no matter what. So... That makes sense. And I've seen that. I've seen that in my world. We, I belong to, it's called the Center for Problem Gambling. And I joined about, well, almost four years ago. And we have what's called the thread. So it's not like a Facebook group, but it's a community. And we all chat and check in most days and well, different people at different times and stuff. And sometimes there's crazy conversations, but most Mm -hmm. of the time, like we had a gentleman that would report what day he was on and he always called it day number one because he didn't want to get overwhelmed with time. Mm-hmm. But he would always say, you know, my long-term goal is whatever that next day was. So if he was on day 20, he'd be like, my long-term goal is 21, but always day one. And when people go back out and they do, mm-hmm. it's really important that we, <clears throat> excuse me, we may get a point to support them to your point and let them know that it is safe to report. So they keep mm-hmm. reporting. And, and I mean, it's an addiction, right? So mm-hmm. it's going to continue. It, it doesn't, you don't always get it on the first try. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> you're right that that kind of environment in society definitely helps create a safe space. And we do function as a unit a lot of the time when, when trying to solve problems or deal with the stresses of not gambling anymore. Yeah. We're stronger together. Yeah, we really are. And, you know, I think that's been one of the big lessons of COVID. The Mm -hmm. social isolation has just made it so much more clear how much humans need human contact. We need each other and we need to figure this out, how to not be judgmental and how to, Except that we, we're different. <clears throat> I think we all have addictions. 
Um, some addictions are socially acceptable and some are not. And some will ruin you, your physical health, and some will not. Some, you know, and so it's not that there are people who are not addicted. We all are. I think we're addicted to something. And so I think I would agree with that. What what addictions did you work with when you were in the field? Was it more substance abuse or? Uh-huh. I worked with, I, I was, I'm so fortunate. Um, so I worked for the state of Louisiana and the addictions clinic. So I got to work with adults, but I was in charge of the adolescent unit. And so I got to work with teenagers who, of course, have no problems because they are completely immortal. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> it was so much fun. They're, they they can be so um, fresh. So they're so brutally honest. <clears throat> and, you know, addiction is a result of trauma, I believe. Um okay that it's one of the ways that people cope with the extreme pain and to, to have a, an adolescent trust you enough to share their pain is a high privilege. And so I just felt really fortunate. We had a ball. I'm sure. Yeah. So then when I went worked to the children's home, I worked with adolescents again. And so when, when I had a young person who was struggling with addiction, I had the privilege of working with them as their chaplain and addictions counselor. So, Wow. <laughs> you reminded me. So the last two days, so I read, you, you already said, you said body, mind, and spirit, right? Like those are things mm-hmm. you work on. So this is yeah. a book that I do my daily, daily reading on air on my other podcasts. So I do the reading and then kind of interpret it. No different than if I was in a 12 step or a regular group, mm-hmm. right? That's just a process. And hopefully people are digesting it. At least I, I imagine my listeners kind of yeah. doing the same thing mentally with themselves and, and thinking about these things. And the last two days, the themes have surrounded. One was looking at things with the child's point of view, mm. like that innocence Mm-hmm. And one was about going back to where childhood is where you get those limiting beliefs, those fiction mm-hmm. stories you talked about earlier. So I'm finding it very interesting that you're completely aligned with everything I've been like, <laughs> that's been on front and center the last two days. Wow. And, and I was just talking, I'm not an expert. I definitely do not have the credentials that you do, Edie. Like I just don't, but I've been fortunate to have enough guests on my shows that I hear that common thread about going back to the childhood is where a lot of the trauma has started. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure there's adults that didn't experience trauma till their teenage or adult years. One of, one of the people actually from, from our community where we know each other, I had interviewed her a long time ago and she was talking about trauma it could be as simple, it's perception, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the young one, the trauma could be as simple as dropping an ice cream cone on the ground. That mm-hmm. could be traumatic and, and mm-hmm. stick. So I like that you're reinforcing what I'm coming to really believe the more educated mm-hmm. I get about it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, I, I don't know if this is in your wheelhouse or not, I'm guessing you might have some advice, but is there, and I'm going off the rails here, 
But since, <laughs> well, there's, there's two points I think I'd like to make. One is how, how do you feel about adults looking at things with like childlike eyes or, or do you agree with that? Would you have any recommendations around that? And then the second would be, is there any advice you might have for our parents out there? Those are my two thoughts that just came up for me. Okay. <clears throat> I'm a grandma. So of course I have parent advice. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, so trauma, the first question was about trauma. Well, about how, how children look at things. Oh, how children look at things. I was like, wait a minute, that wasn't a question. Okay, how children look at things. Okay, so children look at things with fresh eyes is how I conceive of it. That everything is new and it's adventurous and it's exciting. And we forget that um, seeing a ladybug on a flower is a miraculous thing. We fail to realize that hearing the birds sing is a gift. I mean, on so many levels, that that we have birds who sing, that we have ears to hear, that we have the margin in our lives to be able to listen. So welcoming life's experiences with joy and curiosity and enthusiasm, I believe, is what it is to be childlike in how we see things. Um, there's there's sometimes confusion between being childlike and childish. <laughs> yeah. um, so children are born. Um, you will never find a more selfish creature on the planet than a newborn baby. They don't care that you're tired. They don't care that you're hungry. They don't care that you just finished the laundry and they just went all over everything. They don't care. Now, they're completely innocent. They don't have the capacity yet. Well, they haven't been taught empathy yet because it's a learned skill. I mean, I'm not saying they're evil, but I'm, I am saying that they're inherently completely selfish. And our job as adults is to help them gain empathy, gain compassion, and learn how to think about other people. And I guess this flows straight into parental advice. So I don't know what age group you're talking about, but if you have children who are under five years old, I want you to always remember that they will believe anything that you tell them about themselves. And so if you're telling a three-year-old that they're lazy because they didn't pick up their toys, they will carry that. If you tell them they're stupid because they don't know how to do something, they will carry that. If you tell them that you're so proud of them because they're always willing to learn, they will always be willing to learn. They, they seek that pride. And they, they seek that positive affirmation. Let's be as positive as we can with our children. Give them what, what we would have wanted to have instead of repeating the same patterns that we were raised with. I mean, we're just a, about two generations away from 
the idea that children should be seen and not heard. And that was strictly enforced. You know, you just didn't speak up. And so I'm, I'm a boomer. So I'm one of the first generations that was allowed to have a voice sometimes, but still sometimes my parents thought children should be seen and not heard. And so how can we invite our children to be themselves to, instead of, of thinking of a child as mischievous, think of them as curious. My grandson gets into things all the time. He's the most engaged kid ever. And I just, I love his curiosity. And then one of the coolest things about him is if you use the word help in a sentence, help me, he'll do it. It doesn't matter. He's going to do everything he can to help you. I mean, that's a, that's such a gift, such a beautiful skill. And so celebrate, let's celebrate our kids. Let's, let's not let them grow up not knowing what it's like to be celebrated. Let's, let's help this culture. Do you feel, now I'm not a parent, but as a observer, do you feel like the shift is starting to come? So when you said two generations removed from being seen, not heard, do you feel like within the next, this is, I guess, my opinion, and I guess maybe share with me what you think, but I'm hoping and thinking that within the next two generations, we see things like meditation in school and parental like maybe in high school they learn how to parent and teach affirmations like I seen on TikTok one day mm-hmm. a lady is with her little girl and she's teaching her to talk in the mirror I am beautiful I am strong I am I'm all these things mm-hmm. do you see us heading that way or am I just living in a bubble with all these wonderful people that are practicing stuff like that and the rest of the world's mm-hmm. still broken I mean I mean being yeah. extreme but that's how it feels so yeah. I don't know okay so I believe it's both end So I see um, a a lot more um, positive reinforcement with kids um, in my children and their children. Um, But I also see parents who are distracted, who are overwhelmed. Um, I see parents who are on their phones. You know, I believe the screens are an addiction too. Um, I see my grandchildren sometimes with more screen time than than I would approve of, which would probably be none. So that's really not a good measure. (laughs) Um, So um, yes, both and. So when my older grandson, he's 16 now, was in first and second grade, on the way to school, he and his mom would, his mom would say, what kind of day are you going to have? And he'd say, a great day. And she'd say, whose responsibility is that? It's mine. Well, you embed that in a, in a child. And he is a great 16-year-old. He is awesome. He's so kind and he's so thoughtful and he's so happy. So it works. It, it must work because even as I listen to you, you're, even when you're describing something that may not have a positive context, the way you describe it and say it and deliver it is very positive. Mm. So that's a beautiful gift that you have and you're Mm -hmm. doing a very good job of it. So thank you for that. Thank you. 
so part of, all right, I have two missions here on this show. One is to give my entrepreneurial friends a chance to kind of brag about their specialties and showcase them, which we've had an opportunity to hear your opinion a little on that. And I totally lost my train of thought, which I do all the time. Mm. They're showcasing that. And then I'd like to speak a little about, you mentioned earlier, learning the acronyms and, and this entrepreneurial shift. So maybe, I know I keep bombarding questions. So I'm going to ask you the first one. The first one is, how could people, who, who should be working with you? And how could they get in touch to work with you? It sounds like you have a community, maybe more than one-on-one, or do you both? Can you speak to that? Okay. My, my current focus is 911 dispatchers, but I, I work with stressed out people and I help them with their habits. And so um, I do do one-on-ones and I do work with teams. So my focus, my marketing focus is I'm, um, trying to get programs into 911. Um, and because I'm an entrepreneur and because um, I want to help people, I'm happy to work with individuals or groups. And so um, either one. Okay, great. I had a feeling that was going to be your answer a little. I, I love the focus on the 911 operators. It's, yeah. it's, it's a very honorable mission. I'm sure it's a very un- unacknowledged out loud job. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't think about what it must be like to go home at the end of a day after being pulverized with the calls that they get. Like mm-hmm. I just couldn't even imagine. Mm-hmm. I I have friends now in the environment of addiction counseling, or I'm getting a little bit more exposure to that. And I don't know how they do it. Mm-mm. Like it's not, I don't think I have the wherewithal to, to be an addictions counselor. That mm-hmm. would not be my first go-to. I mean, I'm definitely a coach in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, but to be like a full-blown therapist or counselor or any of that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm a preacher of the be positive and all the things. Mm-hmm. So I I love that you're doing that for them because mm-hmm. it's not like addicts we talk about all the time, but we don't talk about nine one one dispatchers yeah. and that pain and stress. So oh yeah, it, and it is it's very stressful. And I think my experience there I, is what drives me and to want to um, to help people because I know what it's like, and I've I've actually experienced compassion fatigue as nine one one and as an addictions counselor and as a chaplain. And so anytime we're helping other people and we tend to carry their pain, I'm an extreme empath. It's one of my great gifts. And so I can walk into a room and I can sense when somebody's hurting. Um, that's a gift, but it's a, it can be a difficult gift to carry. Um, and so you have to have really strong habits, health habits to mental health, physical health and spiritual health habits to be able to withstand it. And I, when I was in the headset, I was not taught. Um, it was, I went to stress management class. I don't know how we're doing on time, but let me tell you a story. <clears throat> so I was working the overnight shift, little town, 
um, worked alone. And so I worked from 11 at night till seven in the morning. I would run home and get my kids off to school. Um, and it was when I was pretty new and I got a note in my mailbox saying that I had a mandatory training tomorrow morning. I come in at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I've got a mandatory training at eight o'clock in the morning. No arrangements for the kids. No arrangements for the kids. Nothing, nothing. Their dad was working the day shift. So he was gone before I got home. So I got the kids to school. I get, I get to this mandatory training and I'm probably 10 minutes late, but I, I did the best I could. And, um, it interrupted the training. The trainer um, called me out on it. And uh, it was a stress management training. So we sit there. I am overtired. I'm furious that I have to do this and get called out in front of the class, which is my colleagues. And all he does is tell us all about the hazards of not managing your stress and you've got to take care of yourself. Mm. I'm working full time. I have three children at home. Um, and I was a married single parent at the time, which I was responsible for the kids in the house. Um, how do you take care of yourself when all that's going on? Really? And, and people didn't, they didn't tell me how. And so I tell people how that. that's my mission. <laughs> so, and, and it's, it's so needed. It's so needed. So we all need it. A hundred percent. So if you could share one, when I do my solo episodes of the show, I tend to be a little bit ranting. It's probably more 70% of me sharing what I've learned the hard way. Mm. Mostly because I'm trying to protect people, but it's usually in the heat of the moment. So those are pretty emotional episodes. But if you could share something that you think might save a fellow entrepreneur some trouble or heartache or headache, like how you got the two tips in Atlanta, for example, do you have a tip or two for our listeners? Um, renew your commitment daily. Mm. Um. I'm, I'm called to this work and it's really, really hard to stay the course. I, like I said, I've always been an employee. And so learning the different skills that you need to start out as a solopreneur, um, you know, you've got all the computer tech stuff and there's marketing to learn um, and sales and how do you set prices and all that kind of thing. And so it's really, really hard. Don't take days off. Um, re renew your commitment every day. Even if it's like if you're still working full time and you're trying to start something, promise yourself 20 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, every day, so that you just keep your momentum going, even if you're only taking a tiny, tiny step at a time. You're, you're moving forward. But standing still is, is dreadful. The cure to fear is action. Mm. And so we have to keep at it. Like that. Um, yeah. 
So that's the biggest piece of advice I'd give is, um, you know, they talk about mindset, 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 and that's what it is. Um, I realized probably three or four months ago that this is going to work or I will die trying, you know, that I just, it's just going to have to, you know, it's going to come together and I'm going to get this figured out and the CRM is going to (laughs) work. But be, you know, be willing to ask for help, I guess would be the other one. Um, We can't do it all alone. If you get good coaches, oh man, it makes such a difference. Yes, so, it does. Yeah, huge difference, huge difference. So, yeah. So before I ask you my final question, do you have anything else that you want to put out there? Did I did I cover what we needed to cover? I think so. One thing, I, is it all right if I let people know how to reach me? Absolutely, please. Uh, go to talktoedie.com. T-A-L-K-T-O, E-D-I-E, talk to Edie. Um, and you can set up an appointment with me. We can Zoom. <laughs> you really do love that Zoom. I do. It's just, it's a way to connect without being physical. Um, I'm an extrovert. This is, this isolation thing is hard. And I'm elderly, you know, and according to the statistics, I'm not according to my heart, but, um, and I live with my sister who's older than me. So, Yeah. I was thinking about this. I'm totally going to be wacky before my last question, but I was thinking about here's the childhood wonder. Okay. How is it that I'm looking at your picture through this little dot? Like there you are. Uh It blew my mind to just sit back and really think about, how does this technology work? I mean, I'm with you. We still need to learn CRMs and, and marketing and all those things. So it's above my, my entrepreneurial scale. But the real thought of like, even a photograph, it blows my mind when I think about a, a photograph. All this stuff is living on my phone. Well, how did it capture this moment? How is it still mm-hmm. sitting there? And I'm sure there are scientific, smart people out there, mm-hmm. techie people that can answer that. But to really just simplify and go, oh how are we zooming? Mm -hmm. It's just powerful in my simple little brain. Yeah. It's wonderful. I mean, this is the stuff that, that we talked about. I look at Apple watches. When I was little, um, we had a cartoon called Dick Tracy. It was about a detective and he had a, he had this magical watch that he could talk into. And there was all this stuff that this watch could do. And it's the stuff that Apple watches do. Mm. And it's like, oh, my goodness. So I was a Star Trek fan when Star Trek was new, when William Shatner was cool. Uh, He's still cool. Um, And the transporter beams. I'm like, it's 2021. Where's my transporter beam? But, you know, when I see people pixelating on the Zooms, I'm like, oh, there it is. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, here we go, Miss Edie. What is, and it doesn't have to be business related, but what is your favorite book? My favorite book? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my goodness, Bobby. That is a hard one because I love to read. 
So um, my favorite book is the Bible because I'm a pastor. Um, But as far as books that people wrote for fiction, I would say um, that I can't remember the name of it, but I can, I like the story just came back to me, but I can't remember the name. Um, And for nonfiction, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, Stephen Covey, that one um, led me to read the Bible because the seventh habit is sharpen the saw. And that's the one that brought me to read. I, I read it from cover to cover one year and it changed my life because it brought me back to faith. Um, I lost faith when I was dispatching. People are horrible to each other. I mean, just the things that happen in communities that seem decent yeah it's just awful and um i stayed really angry with humanity and with their creator for a long time and to me the the bible is the story of of god's love of the the this 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 force that holds together the universe you know we talk about gravity, it's an unseen force. We don't know how it works, but it, it holds things together. I think love is stronger than gravity. And I think love is a force that enlivens us and heals us and gives us every good thing. And so when we start talking about what's important, family is important, yeah, but love is more important. You know, money's important, but love is more important. There's nothing more important than love. And so that was a long answer to a short question. Sorry about that. No, it was great. And we're, what we're doing is we're making sure that everybody's favorites are in our show notes and on the YouTube channel and all of that. So that it's fun. And I don't tell the guests that I'm going to ask that question because it's, it's interesting to get the on the spot answers. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people that I interview are into books. I actually, I haven't met anyone that didn't say they didn't read. So I know it's a hard question, which kind of makes it fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's so hard to narrow it down. So what's your favorite book? Oh, there was the one that kind of started a lot of my path was called, I think, Woman Food desire woman and food or food woman and desire. It, it got me understanding, or it was like my first introduction of, of cleansing and like taking away the sugar and the grain and, you know, like that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, but then some mind stuff. And then Dr. Amen is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. That book led me to um, change your brain, change your body and then I've read a mm. few more of his. So he's like one of my favorites. But then I love Joe Dispenza. See, I can't answer it in a simple mm-hmm. one answer either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't I can't remember the lady's name, but that was definitely a good starter for me. Yeah. It is fascinating, isn't it? How much books help us. Yeah. Yeah. I I think because I've been a reader is why I'm good with people. Is that because I've I lived on fiction when I was coming up. And I've read so many stories and so many great novels and so much the human drama, 
and we're so interesting. We're yeah. so interesting. And so I love to find that out. Yeah, I'm going to my first like virtual book club meeting tomorrow night. And we're working on Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. Are you mm-hmm. familiar? I am. So silly me, it's, it's a lot to digest mm-hmm. and um, I'm listening on audiobook, and I'm trying to get the whole book read before tomorrow night. And I, mm-hmm. I, I started it right. Well, come to find out it's one chapter a week. Mm-hmm. Now I only have to get the one chapter done, but I've listened to it a couple different times and I think I need to, and I'm looking forward to everyone's mm-hmm. input because I think from a retention standpoint, I will get a lot more mm-hmm. value with everybody yeah. chatting about it. And we have a, um, a, a ex-Catholic priest, or I guess you probably don't become an ex-priest, but you can. Yeah. Like he used to be, and now he's not. And mm-hmm. anyway, um, he's just wonderful when it comes to spirituality and I could listen to him all day. Cause he's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to be hosting it. So that's, that's going to be one of the highlights of this week. That sounds wonderful. I'm excited for you. Yeah. I'll be looking forward to hearing how that comes out. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking about it tons. I just, I can't talk too much until I know what I know. I don't know yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle is one that you probably need to read it three times. Yes. I'll get there. Yeah. It takes time. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I really appreciated having you on and we will make Um, sure that everybody can contact you right and thank you for your audience and appreciate you and i love you i mean i do i haven't met you yet but i love you i love you too you are awesome edie thanks again thanks